Hadassah, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bacheva Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by women. I hope you enjoy. If you'd like to follow along inside the text, you can find a fully vowelized PDF of the DAF at www.batshevalearningcenter.com slash DAF. Thank you so much to Adina Wisner for sponsoring today's DAF. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DAF Yud Bays. Um, we're going to continue talking more about um, Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and specifically about the birth of Maisha in this DAF. Um, go for it, Devorah. All right, so we're going to pick up on the bottom of Daf Yud Aleph Amud Beis, we are in the midst of talking about Miriam. Uh, and we mentioned that um, Miriam married Kali, right? The Pusik says that Thomas Azuba, this Ephras. It says that in Divra Yamim, Kali married Ephras. And we said that Ephras is Miriam. Um, and since we're talking about Kali, the Gemara now is going to try to clarify uh, some contradictory information we're given in the Psukim regarding Kalev's lineage. All right, so we're going to quote the Pasuk, the third line from the bottom on Yud Aleph Amud Beis, the second word on the line. Quoting the Pasuk from Divrei Hayamim, the Kalev ben Chetzron, Hailed es Azuba, Isha, Vesiriyaz, Right, so Kali ben Chetzron uh, gave birth to a child with Azuba, his wife, and with Urias, and these were their sons, Yasher, Shavav, Erdan, and Chetzron. Now, now the question is, the Gemara is going to ask, Ben Chetzron, is he really the son of Chetzron? Ben Yefuna. We are told in Mamidbar that Kali, Kali is called Kali Ben Yefuna. So we said, so we say that um, that his real name, right? He's really the son of Chetzron, but why is he called Ben Yefuna? Right? He's called Yefuna because he turned away from the uh, plan of the Miraglim. So Yefuna is just a sort of complimentary nickname, not his real uh, family name. But Akite Ben Knaz, who, but still, we have another Pasuk which calls him the son of Knaz. The brother of Kali, right, conquered the city. So what do we do with that? Amar Rava Charga de Knaz Hava. Kalev was the stepson of Knaz. Right, so Kalev and uh, Asniel were brothers from the same mother, but they had different fathers. Daika Nami, this um, this answer of Rava is grounded in the wording of the Psukim. Dechsev Haknizi, right? It's called, it says, it calls, the Pesach called him, um, uh, right, the Knizite. So even though his father wasn't Kanaz, he's called the Knizite because of his, it's his family association. All right, so now that we discussed Kali, we're going to move on to Miriam. So Shmamina Azuva Zu Miriam. So we said that. Kali married Miriam, and the Pasuk here says he married Azuva. So that tells us that Miriam's name is Azuva. Velama Nikra Shema Azuva. Why was her name Azuva? So the Gemara here says something very fascinating. Shahakal Azvua Mitchilasa says at the beginning of her life, everyone, no one wanted to marry her. Why? Because she was very sickly and she was not attractive, right? Um, and, and, right? And Asniel. Right? Uh, sorry, Kalev was the only one who was willing to marry her. Um, so we see in that in that passage before it says um, that uh, Kalev hailed as Azuba Isha, which is like a weird terminology. He gave birth to a child with this woman, right? He married her, right? So it just should have said he married this woman. Hailed uh, actually makes it sound like he gave birth to this woman, right? So Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, whoever marries a woman for the sake of heaven, the Pasuk considers it as if he gave birth to her, right? So Kali was, uh, is being praised here for his marrying Miriam, not for her physical beauty, but rather 
for her um, God-fearing qualities. So now the Pusik is going to, the Gemara is going to do, it's going to analyze every word in that Pusik, right? So it says that it gives a list of children that Azuba had, and it's going to interpret all those names as actually adjectives describing Miriam herself. So the first one is Urias. Shahayupana diamond Urias says that her face was pallid, was very pale and sickly, just like a curtain, like a sheet. The Pusik says, Right. So don't don't read the Pusik her son, but by now the one who built her up. Right. So meaning all those uh, subsequent names in the Pusik are actually uh, adjectives praising the one who built her up. Right. Who was Kalev, her husband. Yashar, Shayishar is Asmai. Right. So Yashar, uh, because he. Uh, kept himself on the straight path, again, referring to the incident with Moraglim. Shaivav, Shashiva, this Yisrael. Shaivav, because he conquered his Yitzhahara. Erdan, Sharada, this Yisrael. Erdan, because he, again, overcame, conquered his Yitzhahara. The Ika, the Amir, those who say, Al Shahayu Pana, Diamond Leverid. The Erdat is from the root of Verid, arose because Miriam's face, it says that after Kalev married Miriam, she then became beautiful, and her face then became similar to a rose. Um, okay, so moving on, we're going to analyze uh, another Pusik in Devarai. Right? So this this uh, man named Ashkor, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Chala and Naara. Um, the Gemara informs us, Ashkor is that Kalev. Ashkor is really referring to Kalev. Why is his name called Ashkor? His face turned black from fasting. Rashi says because he prayed that he should not fall prey to the plan of Miraglin. Avi, right? So why was he called Avi? He became like a father to Miriam and took care of her and cared for her, even though she was initially quite sickly. Because he planted his heart firmly with his father in heaven, meaning he stayed true to Hashem, to his mission. And it says he has two wives. So the Gemara says it wasn't literally two different wives, not the Miriam Kishtein Hashem. Miriam was like two different wives, Chala Vina'ara. Um, so, right, it's beginning. It wasn't that she was both, so Chala from the root of sick and Na'ara from the root of like a young maiden, right? So it wasn't that she was both at once. It wasn't two different women, but rather it's beginning Miriam was sickly, Chala, and the end, um, after Kali married her, she then became healed. So the Pasuk there continues that Chala, who we said refers to Miriam, had the following children, Saras, Sire, and Esan. Like Mara's going to analyze all these uh, names and show how they reflect and describe Miriam's extraordinary beauty that she gained uh, after her marriage. Sara, Shanasis, Sarla, Chavrsa. Sara, because she became an adversary, adversary to her fellow women, right? It was kind of like, you know, women who were competitive <laughs> regarding their beauty. She was the most beautiful woman uh, in town perhaps inciting jealousy. Sire Shahayu Panad, Diamond Kitarayim, Sihar, because her face was like the sh- the sun that shines in midday. Esnan Shakal Raya is the Malach Esnan Leishai Esnan, because anyone, any man who saw her would bring a gift to uh, appease his wife. By Thav Par Lechol Amai. Right, so now, Let's take a step back for a second. We finished talking about Miriam. We're going to continue back to our original discussion we were talking about in the previous stuff. We're analyzing the command Parai has to try and uh, out-punish the Jewish people, right? And uh, and kill all the firstborn boys. Right, stop Parai the Kalamai. So it says Parai commanded his whole nation. Amar Rebiyasi Berbchanina. So Rabbi Yossi says, when it says Pari commanded his nation, it doesn't just mean he told his nation about this decree about the Jews, but rather he decreed this decree that all firstborn males should be thrown into the river on his own nation. He murdered his own people. The Amar Rabbi Yossi Barchanina, Shalish Zeris Gazer. Rabbi Yossi said there were actually three stages of this decree. 
But Tlila in Ben Huba Misa Nisa, at the beginning, he called over the midwives and said, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to trust you. You do the work of killing every firstborn boy, right? Uh, then that didn't work. Or at least we said on the previous staff, the midwives refused. So then the next stage is he said, you know what? I can't trust them. I'm going to send my soldiers around and they're going to forcibly throw every firstborn boy into the river. A little bit awful. Oh my God! And at the end, Pari got so crazed and so neurotic and so, I guess you can say, um, like paranoid, right? Uh, that he even made the decree against his own people. Okay. So now we're gonna analyze a new set of sukkim. But Elif Ishvi basically the Yikach is Bas Levi, right? So it's a but the great beginning of Parsha Shemais, right? We see this man from the house of Levi goes and takes a daughter from Levi, right? A very ambiguous pasuk. What on earth does this mean? Who are we talking about? What are they doing, right? So our Yehuda Barzina, so Yehuda Barzina said, "Shehalach ba'atzas." Bitai, right? So he, so I mean, we're talking about Amram, right? Amram is this man from Levi who's going, and he went. What does it mean by Yikah? He took a daughter from Levi. He took the advice of his daughter. Tana. So we're Tana Mishnah. Amram got al Hadarhaya. Amram was the leader of the generation. Kevan Shiraj Amar Pari Rasha Kolabana Yud Hayaratashaku. Once he saw that Pari said that every firstborn boy should be thrown into the river, Amar. He said, we're, we're toiling for nothing. What are we having children for if they're just going to be killed? So he went and he divorced his wife. Uh, and since he was a leader of generation, everyone else followed suit. Amdu Kulan Vagirshu, as she said. The Jewish community all did the same. Amr Labitai, his daughter said to him, Abba, father, your decree is even worse than the decree of Pari. Right, Pari only uh, decreed on the males, but you decreed on the males and the females. You only decreed, Pari only decreed uh, with regard to killing uh, the children in this world. But as for you, your decree affects this world and the next world. It's an interesting uh, thing here. What does it mean, this world and the next world? Uh, Rashi says it means that um, if the child is alive, even for just a moment, when that child passes away, right, um, even though it's just been in the body for a very short time, that neshama is not then able to go to Gan Eden. But if it's never mm. even allowed the chance to enter the body, it cannot even enter Elam Haba. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting concept there. Yeah. Pari Harasha, Suffolk Miskayamas, because I Suffolk Anamiskayamas. Right, so Pari Harasha, it's kind of a tough, right? He's a, he's, he's a wicked person. So maybe what he says will be fulfilled, maybe not. But Atathotic, you're a thotic, you're a righteous person. So what you do has a lot of weight. Bivadish, right? Certainly your decree will be fulfilled. Shinamar, but Tigzar, Emar, Bayakimak, it says, um, it says regarding Sadiqim, right, that, um, you know, they'll decree something and it'll be fulfilled. Okay, so uh, after this, you know, great speech from his daughter, very convincing speech, uh, Amram listens, right? So Amad Behixiris Ishtai. So he went and remarried his wife, and everyone else does the same. Amdukulam Behixiris Ishtai, and the rest of the Jewish men follow suit and remarry their wives as well. This is like so if you've ever read a little girl named Miriam, it's like the whole book is pretty much in the stuff. <laughs> it's pretty much what? I said that the, the, the kid's book, a little girl named Miriam. I said like pretty much the whole book is in this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of these, it's like it's, it's, yeah, it's a great job. It has so many of the Madrashim that we're so familiar with. But often, yeah. you know, I feel like when you don't see it inside, number one, you might miss details, right? Like there's a lot of like richness and details here that I guess kind of gets lost when it's like taught and you know maybe a little book in a book a children's book or in in the classroom um so yeah it's yeah it's I find it um find it very enjoyable so so, so now what we're going to do is the Gemara is going to say hey wait it says that Amram took his wife. So it should have said he remarried, right? Vayikach is generally a language that implies a first marriage. Was it? it should have said Vayakhsar, he remarried this woman from Fosleve. So Amar Rabbi Hudabar's Vina, Right, he um 
the Rahina Barzina said he celebrated it as if he was taking her for the first time. Hashiva be Afarion. So he, he set her on this Afarion, which is, um, it's kind of like a, a coach, right? Kind of like a couch or like a wagon, which people carry on their, uh, on their shoulders through the streets, right? It's a very fancy, uh, ceremonial, um, sort of procession. Um, but Aaron and Miriam were acting with and Aaron and Miriam were dancing in front of this, this uh, procession. And the Malachi the angels were there too. And what did they say? Right? It's the mother of children uh, is being gladdened, right? Okay, so now we're going to we're going to analyze, keep analyzing that same passage. So it says, as Vas Levi, Amram took a daughter of Levi. I'm sure Vas, wait, is it calling her a girl? Like this girl from Levi? Uh, we're going to, as we're going to see, Yochavid must have been 130 years old. But Carla Bas, and it's calling her a daughter. I didn't know she was 130. So, so Rabchama Rechamina said, This Bas Levi is Yochavid. So, Rasa Baderech, that she was conceived uh, on the way, right? On the way uh, that, uh, on, the, on the way from Canaan to Mitz, uh, sorry. To Mitzrayim, when Yaakov and his family were traveling to Mitzrayim. She was born between the walls, right? It says that she was born to Levi in Mitzrayim. She was born in Mitzrayim, but she was not conceived in Mitzrayim. So Rehuda said, so trying to answer this question, right? So if you do the math, like how many years it was from when they came to Mitzrayim until now, right? She must have been um, 130 years old. So how, why is she called a girl? So you just said, right? The um, signs of youth, right? Returned to her, right? So she became, you know, her wrinkles disappeared. Um, and, you know, as we see, she's also able to bear children again. So Batar Isha Batalid Ben, right? We're told that this woman, Yochavid, right, um, falls pregnant and she gives birth to a son. Um so the Mar says, wait, Bahaha me abrabe talsa yarfe me kara. Right? He says, wait, we know from other places, we're gonna see later how, but we know that Miriam uh, Yochavid was actually pregnant with Maisha three months before prior to her second marriage right so she became mm-hmm. pregnant with Maisha while he she was still married to Amram the first time right she's pregnant for three months and after three months she had her second marriage so why like it seems kind of anachronistic to say she married a second time and then became pregnant right that pregnancy really happened before so Amram Rabbi Huda Berzavina Rabbi Berzavina said Makich Leidasa Leherasa right the birth of Maisha is being juxtaposed to the Conception, just like a child is conceived painlessly, so too, a Yochabed gave birth painlessly. So this is a proof for the idea that righteous women are not included in the decree of Chava, which is that generally childbirth is quite painful. Just just a, a, a note about these few things we just mentioned about Yacheved, right? The fact that she was she was conceived before they came down to Mitzrayim, but only born in Mitzrayim. That she that her signs of youth returned, and that she didn't suffer any pain in the birth of Maisha. So, uh, the, I was looking at the sicha that on Parshat Shemais that actually discusses how all these three things are actually connected because they're all sort of telling us about why, like, what it takes to be the mother of the savior of the Jewish people, right? Um, so there's like this this general rule, right, that we say, um, uh, what's the language in the Gemara? Right, that a, like a captive can't free himself. Right, like if you're if you're in captivity, you're not in a position to be able to free yourself from that captivity. It has to be somebody from the outside who's coming in to to save you from that that like place that you're in. Um, so Mitzrayim, what what was Mitzrayim all about? Like the Gauls of Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim was this place that was very limited to nature. Right, like the, the, it, there was no possibility to kind of perceive this reality of godliness outside of the limitations of nature. Um, which is sort of the symbolism of why. 
um, this, all the sustenance that they had in, in Egypt came from the Nile, right, which is like something on the ground, as opposed to, um, you know, being able to get water from from rain, right, from the heaven. It was they were, they were totally like it was totally this closed system that was entirely dependent on the earth, right, on like sort of earthly natural phenomenon, and they had no like awareness of anything godly outside of nature. Um, so so. But so in order to sort of like take the Jewish people out of that state of mind of Mitzrayim, um, Yochaved, who's the mother of, of Maisha, um, had to be conceived outside Mitzrayim. You know, like she had to come from a place that was outside of that that limitation of what Mitzrayim was all about. Um, mm. And yet she was still born in Mitzrayim. Why was she born in Mitzrayim? Because it was almost like on, like when, you, when you're like coming in to sort of like save someone from like a being in like a trap, you know, when they're trapped in a certain limited, you know, um, state of mind, you have to be able to like like you know put yourself into their place right like you have to like super at least superficially you have to invest yourself in 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 that place that they're at but internally you have to be coming from a place above it like you have to be beyond that that limited space um so that's sort of the symbolism of her being like conceived outside Mitzrayim but born in Mitzrayim that she on the one hand was like you know above beyond the limitations of Mitzrayim but also was able to like invest in it and and pull the Jewish people out um and it's also why she had this miracle of like her youthfulness returning. It's like this miraculous phenomenon happening to her because um, the sort of the sort of symbolizes her transcending the natural order of the world, um, and also the pain of childbirth. Right, the whole idea of childbirth, the pain of childbirth comes from as a result of the sin of of Chava. Right, it's sort of like a a symptom of being in Gullus, of being, you know. Um, being exiled and because you have was sort of beyond that that's why she was able to transcend that um and not and not have the pain of childbirth so anyway the point is like all three of these all these descriptions about you have it all sort of try, giving us sort of like a window into what it takes to be the mother of the savior of the jewish people um wow that's so cool yeah so cool also i guess shed light on the way get the way it phrases it. it wasn't just like oh it was painless it says that she wasn't in the decree of Chav. you know like she's kind of right. above right the framework of this world yeah and she also sort of like it says like it specifies that she specifically didn't have pain with the birth of Maisha and then it says but then as a result of that she also sort of opened the door for other righteous women also to not have this pain meaning like she sort of like started that ability to transcend yeah wow I hope we uh can cash in on that (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) Uh, okay so so we're told, moving moving along, we're told that um, Batera, when when once Maisha is born, Batera Isaiki Tayyuhu, it says that Yochavid saw that he was Tayyuhu, he was good, right? Kind of ambiguous phrase. I mean, I'm sure every mother, you know, sees their baby is good, thinks the well of their child. So what does this mean? So Tanya, or Rimeir teaches us, Tayyuhu Shemai, his name, he named, she named him Tayyuhu. Rehuda said, well, not exactly. His name was Tubia, right? Similar from the same root. Rehuda said that she saw, Yochavit saw that he was fit for prophecy. Others say, he was born already circumcised. That when Maisha came, uh, was born, the entire house filled with this like miraculous light. It says over here, right? She saw that Kitaibu that he was good. It says by the days of creation that Hashem saw that the light was good. Okay, so moving along in the story, but to it says that you'll have a mash of hide Moshe for three months. So it said that the midterm would count, right, the month to see, you know, when they would calculate when um, a couple got married and they would count nine months. And then nine months later, they would come to check and see if there was a child, right? So the midterm only counted from the time that she had her second marriage, right? And as we said before, she was actually pregnant with Maisha for three months prior to her second marriage. And so therefore, she had that three-month window where no one would suspect her of having a child. Now, after three months, it says, She now was no longer able to hide it. So why? Why was it, why was it so 
out of the question for her to try and hide Maisha. She should continue hiding him. So whenever the Mitzrayim would hear that a child was born, they would take uh, another, their own baby there. They would take that child there and make him cry, make that child cry so that the, the hidden baby would hear and they would cry together, right? Um, because it's the way of uh, a baby, right? Naturally, if a baby hears another child, a baby crying, it'll cause that, that second child to cry. Right? Um, so right, the Pasik says, um you you um you grabbed hold of us like like small foxes that destroy an orchard, like a young orchard. Um and the Sarashi so actually fills in the blanks for us a little bit. He says that this Pasak is interpreted as referring to a Bothkal is saying to the waters of the sea, catch the Egyptians, catch the Egyptians like foxes because these Egyptians destroyed the Jewish people when they were still young, just like a young archer. They tried to destroy the these young Jewish babies, um, which are compared to these saplings in the orchard. But Gaima, so it says that Tivas Guma, so it says that uh took for Maisha a um, a, a teva, he built a teva, really, a little boat out of bulrush. Maishma guma, why guma? Amar Relazar. Relazar said it's, it was an economical choice, right? Bulrush is a very cheap material. So he calls Really interesting idea. He says that Sadiqim cherish their money even more than their bodies, right? That it's, it's, a, it's a value, right, of, of the righteous to be careful about money and not to waste waste uh property or money um so why it's a very interesting thing. i mean rachi says that um that they don't steal right um so that that um right that sneaking are very careful about their money because they want to make sure it comes from a proper place and they you know um other refer- i don't know i'm sure maybe you have something more insight to add to this hadassah I, I didn't look into it too much, this part of it. Um, I remember seeing some commentaries, but... Um, right. So, yeah. Well, for further study, for next year, we'll... Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll tell them more. It's, it's a concept that actually is not unique to here. Um, so, yeah, actually, sorry. I said Rashi said Gezel. Look at Mark says it. But Kolkach Lama, why are they so careful about um, about their money? Because they don't steal right and so they're very careful um about the money that they are that they earn honestly so there's another reason for using a bulrush it's because it's a very it's kind of flexible material it's like soft and it, so it therefore could stand it could um withstand something that's soft against it and also something that's hard against it right if it would be a hard material then it could crack if it would bump into something but talk more about this episode says that she uh Covered it with like, with pitch and with clay. So it says he um she put the she put the pitch inside and the tar on the outside. So that this tzaddik Marisha would not smell a bad smell. And she put the child in there. And she placed a child in the, um, you know, in the kind of reedy marsh. <laughs> so actual, so actually there's a, they kind of jumped the gun there. He, she put them in the suf. Let's just leave it at that. Rabbi Eliezer Eimer, what does suf mean? Yam suf, right? The yam suf, the sea of reeds. Rabbi Shmuel Barachmani, Rabbi Shmuel Barachmani said, well, it wasn't necessarily the yam suf, uh, particularly, but it's just an agam, right? Just a, a swamp, not necessarily the famous Yam stuff that we know of. Right, so we have another plastic which uh, uses the word suf in that context. Let me show you how to mean a swamp. Uh, sorry, kind of a suf kamalu. Right. So, so we're told what happens next is that the daughter of Parai goes to bathe in the river. Right, we're told that she came to Taibal to basically go to the mikvah uh, because she wanted to um, reject 
the idols of her father. And similarly, it says, It says that Hashem will wash away the filth of the daughters of Sion. And there, the filth that's being referred to isn't literal dirty, like dirt. It's talking about sin. Right. So we have this precedent for washing to be a sort of spiritual cleansing. Okay, so moving on, we're told it says that her maidens, her maidservants, walked, were walking with her. This halicha has the connotation of death, right? Where for the Pusik is foreshadowing that things are not going to end well for these maids. Right, we list Pesach from Barashas. Asa says, I'm going to die. Right. So we'll see later. The Gemara is going to tell us exactly how these maidservants meet their death. So it says that uh, Baasia, right, sees this Teva, this, um, right, the little boat in the middle of the swamp. Keva de Chazu. So once her maidservant saw that she wanted to save Maisha, Amarla, they said to her, you are saying now, our, our you know, mistress, right? So it's the, it's just the way of the world. If a king makes a decree, even if nobody else keeps it, at least the children or his family are going to keep it. Are going to stay loyal to the king's decree? And you're going to go and um, go against the decree of your own father and save this Jewish child. So Gabriel came and knocked them out, <laughs> beat them into the ground, right? And so that's where they met their death, untimely death. <laughs> what? Yeah, their untimely death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so right, so moving along right apparently she was not phased at all and she proceeded to try and save Maisha so but Tishlach Etamasa she stretched out her ama we'll, we'll analyze what that means in a minute so she stretched out her ama and she took the basket so Rabbi Huda Rabbi Chaimia. We have a machlokas here between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Chaimia. Chad Amar Yada. One says it was actually her hand. She stretched out her hand. Chad Amar Shivchas. And one says that it was her maidservant that um, she sent. She, so that Tishlach doesn't mean she stretched out. It means she she sent her maidservant to get the basket. Manda Amar Yada Dixiv Amasa. So the one who says Yada, it's because. Um, why, why do they, why do they say it's Yada? It says Amasa. Amasa is not a normal word for a maidservant, right? Normal word is Shabasa. So, since it uses that word Amasa, it must mean, um, the word for hand. Umanda Amar Shifchasa means like Sivyada. So the one who says Shifchasa, that it means her maidservant, it's because it doesn't use the normal word for hand, which is Yada. So wait, according to the one who says that she sent her maidservant, wait a second, we just said that Gabriel came and, you know, got rid of all the maidservants. So how could she then send her maidservant? So it must be that Gabriel left one over for her. Because it's not respectful for a princess to go alone. So one who says, so, okay, so. Let's go back a second. The one who interprets the word amasa to mean hand, why indeed does it use a strange word amasa? I should have just said yada. So the word, um, this unusual word amasa teaches us that famous magrish that her hand actually stretched out, right? Just like um, a, a comment here about that. So, I mean, the, the obvious question is why would, if the basket was too far away for her to reach, why would she stretch out her hand in the first place? Like, why would she expect that her hand would stretch way much, much further than it was actually able to reach, you know? Um, so, so well, on one level, actually, I mean, you see, this is a continuation of the fact that, that um, the Malach had just struck down all of her maidservants who tried to stop her from get, taking the baskets. You could see that she kind of already saw that there were certain miraculous things happening around her trying to get this basket. So she was like, oh, chances are another miracle might happen here too. Let me try, you know? Um, but also there's like a lot of, uh, a lot of the Ahrenim, you know, a lot of like the Hasidic, you know, masters, um, 
the Kotzka Rebbe, Rabbi Simchamen of Pshischa, also the Chafetz Chaim, like a lot of them kind of give similar ideas um, of sort of what the lessons we can kind of learn from this this um, Gemara. And they would say like two things. One one idea, two like one lesson that we learned is that um, you know anytime you're doing something good, like you're you're out to save someone, right? You're out to you're, you're trying to like you know, accomplish something positive, um, you shouldn't stop and think like, am I actually be able to be successful? Like, is it actually possible for me to succeed in doing this thing? Like your job is just to put in the effort that you can and Hashem will find a way to make sure you can actually succeed in doing it. Kind of like, um, uh, you know, Baya who just put out her hand and she kind of, Hashem did the rest of it and made it extend far enough to be able to get the basket. Um, and the other thing is that sometimes, Sometimes, you know, things might seem out of reach or they might seem like, like too hard for us to do. But like, as soon as we start like going after it, then we'll realize it's actually a lot closer than we thought. Like it's a lot more doable and a lot more attainable than we thought it was. Um, So yeah, this, this like, you know, interesting Gemara about her arm stretching out has a lot of, um, you know, meaning in terms of our own uh, moral implications. (laughs) Hmm. Right. It's not just a, you know, a fun story. Exactly. It makes a great picture. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the imagery is very powerful, especially if like you have the, the lesson in mind. <laughs> right. All right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So we're actually going to follow up with something very interesting. So it says, Dom Armar, uh, we see, we have this teaching, which also references this, references this idea that, um, that her hand, that uh, that boss's hand stretched out. We find this idea of you know uh, miraculous stretching of the, of the body with the hand of uh, the daughter of Pari. We find the same thing with the teeth of Rishaim. You've broken the teeth of the wicked. Don't read Shibarta, you broke, but rather Shibarta, that you, that you lengthened them, right? Elsewhere, it goes into detail about how this is referring to Oigmel Habashan, and there's this great medrash where it says, like, his teeth get stuck in a rock, and it's this, anyways, for, for another time. Um, but at any rate, we, we see this idea, right? Uh, and, you know, we have corroborated this idea that uh Basia's hand stretched out. But Tiftah Batiriwa Sayelad. So they it says that um Basia opened the the basket and she sees the lad. So Batira, it should have said she saw the lad. What is Fatere who? She saw him, the lad. So Batera would violate said Batera Amar Ryusibrabuchanina, Ryusibrabuchanina said Sharatla Shlina Ima. She saw the Shlina with him. He was a lad crying. Carla yelled, but Carly not. So it calls him a young boy, and it also calls him a lad, like a more mature boy. Tana, who yelled, but Carly Kanar. So we're taught that he, both are really true. He was a baby, but his, the voice was actually like that of a mature, uh, a lad. Just before we get to the other opinion, just a nice idea from Romeo Shapiro about that idea of Carly Kanar, that his voice was like a, like a mature adult, right? Um, so, so he, he says that not he kind of interprets it not like as literally that it was like a deep voice, but that um, you know a, a baby, an infant, um, only feels their own pain, right? They don't have any awareness of the people around them to be able to cry for other people, right? If they're crying, you know that they're crying just for themselves because of their own discomfort, right? But a symbol of maturity, once you know a child grows up, is that they're able to be aware of other people's pain and other people's suffering, and they can cry for other people, right? Um, so Kali Kanar, it means that Baya, when she she saw this baby crying, and she was like, oh, that's normal, right? Baby would cry. They're in the middle of this this river by themselves. You know, why wouldn't they be crying? But she noticed that when she picked him up, and he was saved from, from you know, he, you know, saved him from that um, dangerous, uh, the danger that he was in, he was still crying, right? And she, she realized that he was crying not for himself, but for the pain of his people, right? Um, and that was Kali Kanara was like the voice, th- this crying voice um, of almost like an adult, like this mature cry that was crying not for himself or for others. 
which is sort of like gives you like a like a, a window into you know what what a leader is right like a leader you know Maizharbino being the ultimate leader from from birth right is already like his whole life is about other you know the people right the nation not about himself um wow yeah cool so Right. What an image that leaves us with, though. Right. We you can just imagine right? We, we, that you even if you just take it like a very literal level. Right. You have this little baby and the voice that comes out sounds like, an adult, like right? uh, you know, a boy, which is a little uh, off putting, shall we say. So where we takes issue with this, it's not you basically describe as someone who has a defect, like a vocal defect. <laughs> right. So. That's why he doesn't like that, this explanation. It says his mother, Yocheved, made sort of like a mini chupa inside his basket. Uh, inside the teva, right? It's quite, it's like heartbreaking. Amr, she said, I might, I'm, you know, not like the I'm not going to merit to see his wedding. So she made a little mini canopy inside his basket. But Tachmo, I love it. Says that she took mercy on him. But Timer, and she said, "Me This is one of the children of the Jews. Me Yada. How did she know? Right. So, I mean, especially as we said before, um, the the decree of throwing um, the baby boys into the river was for Egyptians too. Right. So, how would she know that this is a Jewish the Jewish child? She saw that she he was circumcised. Um, so that so she says that this one is from the the Jewish children. Um, she um she prophesied to Levitata without even realizing it. That nightfall was that specifically this um child is gonna is gonna fall into the river, but no other children are going to be uh thrown into the river because that day the decree was actually annulled behind her to amar belezer this is what rabbi lezer said my next to the chiyam relechem darshila i was fell you dynamite mitzvah with him on he can save him and he had him at siphon mahagam and he had him mama hagim so it's passive ratio it says that you know if they say if you know it's telling jewish people warning them not to go to these like sorcerers and magicians right he says you know if you're told you know to go to these uh, the I, the Ivice people who practice the magic of Ive or Udaini and they they trap, they whisper and they prattle um, and they they murmur, but they don't really know what they're saying, right? Um, so, right, so they, so they sort of, they see, but they don't really know what they're seeing and they might murmur these like predictions, they don't really know what they're murmuring. So similar manner, we're saying that Bastia wasn't consciously prophesizing, but what she said actually ended up being um, a prediction of the future. Ruusha might see actually a struggle mind like him. So um, it says, why did why did this decree happen in the first place? They saw Rahu, They saw that the savior of the Jewish people would be struck with water. I'm doing guys recall about They said that all uh, baby boys should be thrown into the river. Kevin should do Yelamisha. Once they, um, she was placed into the river, Amru Sulo Chazinan, the stargazer said, oh, we see that he was already put in the water, right? He was already struck with water. Gihusimana, once they saw that sign, but look at their the Parai annulled the decree. The Haim Anam Yadim, what they didn't realize, Shalmim Riva, who like it, that actually was happening, is that. He was that Baisha was struck with the waters of Mariva, right? So, really, they saw, right? So, actually, I made a mistake before. This pasuk of, right, that they see these these people who do magic of Ivan Yadini, they see, they don't know what they're saying, they speak, they don't know what they're saying. Actually, it's referring to what we're saying right now, right? The stargazers apart. If the stargazers apart, right, they saw something that was indeed had some truth to it, but they didn't know how to interpret it properly. So what they saw was really a reference to the fact that when Maisha hit the rock, right, by Maimariva, he was punished by not being able to go into Eretz Yisrael. So they saw that he was some punishment with water, but they didn't realize this would actually happen later. Behind her, Degamar Rabichama Barbichanina, that's the same accordance with Barbichama Barbichanina said, Dexid Hema Maimariva Sherabu Hema. Right, these are the Maimariva which they uh, contended with. Right, this is what the Pusik says with regard to 
uh, when Maisha hits the rock. Now it says, Hema, these are the main Mariba. These are the waters that we knew about before, right? So Shiro, Hema, Shiro, it's Digne Shalpar. These are the same waters that the that the Stargazers of the Pari saw with Ho, and they made a mistake. Behind her, Dekamri, Dekamar. Uh, and this is a similar teaching, right? That's along the same lines. Dekamar uh, Maisha is what Maisha said. Shesh Meis Aleph Ragli. Asher, and I think we care about it. says that Maisha says, uh, especially when it's talking about the um, when the ch- the Jewish people ask for meat, right? And so Maisha tells Hashem, you know, there's six hundred thousand Jewish people, and I'm among them. And you think you're going to give us all meat, right? So we're going to. So Amar Lehan Maisha. So Maisha said, Amar Lehan Maisha Maisha to the Jewish people, Mishvili needs them. So the word Ragli could also mean Ragli in the past. It literally just means you know, like people. Right, but Ragli could also mean Bishvili because of me. So because of me, six hundred thousand people need Saltam were saved. Bishvili need Saltam Kulam. Because of me, you all were saved because when I was put into the water, all of the decree stopped and no more Jewish children were killed. Um I say Hayyim, Asrachab Nisahaya. So what day was Mesha placed into the Yamsaf? It was actually the twenty first of Nisan. Almar Malachi Ashar something. Master of the universe. So it says that the one who is destined to say the, the song um, on the splitting of the sea on this day, right? The 21st of Nisan was the day that the Jews crossed the sea. So the one who's in the future going to say song on the sea should be struck on this same day. I mean, this merit should stand in his stead and save him. Rabbi Acha Barchanina, Rabbi Acha Barchanina said, I say I am Chisha this was the sixth of Sivan. The angel said to Hashem, Should the one who is destined to receive the Torah on the sixth of Sivan on this day, should he be struck on this day? Right, so we have two different opinions 21st of Sivan or the seventh of, uh, or, or this. Sorry, 21st of Nisan or the 6th of Sivan. Now we know that Maisha was born on Zion Adar. So let's just bear that in mind for what comes next. So it says, uh, So it makes sense, according to the one who says, Why? Because we're told that Maisha was hidden for three months before she was put in the Yamsaf. So right? So then you get three months to Amar Mar. Right, we're taught to Bishiva Adarmi, so Bishiva Adarmi. Maisha was born and died on both, was born and he passed away on the seventh of Adar. So from the seventh of Adar to the sixth of Sivan is exactly uh, three months. So, so, uh, right, so Bishiva Adarmi, so Bishiva Adarmi, she should be Sivan, right, that's three months. So, according to the painting, which says it was the 21st of Nisan, how do you get the three months? So I used to shut on the answer is that that year, Muberis Haitha was a leap year, right? So he was born in the seventh of the first Adar, Rubo Shal Rishon. So you have the most of the rest of the first Adar, but Rubo Shal Acheron. And then you have most of the month of Nisan, Vam Saishalam, and then that full second month of Adar. So it's not exactly three months. It's, it's a rough, a rough approximation. Okay, so moving along in the story, but Timer Faisal Baspari. Um, so it says that Miriam tells Basia, oh, should I, should I go and call you a uh, Jewish uh, nursemaid? Um, why did she say a Jewish one? Like what, what made, gave her the audacity to even suggest that, right? So so we learned from here that what happened was is that he, that Basia tried to get give Maisha to all of the Egyptian women to nurse, and he refused to nurse. Right, the the should the now that would be in the future speak with the Shlina um, nurse from from something impure, nurse from a non-Jewish woman. Behind her, this is what is written: As me here and day, who could, who will be the one to? Teach knowledge, right? So the full path agrees. Um, we'll actually get we'll get to it, right? So who will teach knowledge and who will understand, right? The Tyra, the Gmule Khala, take a dime, one who is weaned from milk and who is um has withheld from nursing from the breast, right? So this is a uh, 
a reference to the fact that Maisha held back from nursing from a non-Jewish woman. But Tyra Labas Par, right? and Par, uh, the daughter of Pari says, Lachi, go. Our lesson will allow me to help us read this. Says that she went uh, quickly. Alma. Right. So, so sorry. Just to preface this teaching, um, we're told that she that um, that Basha tells her to go, and then it says that Miriam went. Right. She went. Alma. Right. So, what does that mean? So it says once it's Alma, she went very quickly, like a young woman, like a young, like a mature young woman. Says, the word Alma is a is a uh, is used because from the root of hell and of hiding that she hid her words that Miriam concealed the fact that she was really going back to her own mother and the mother of this very child. <laughs> but Tamar Labas Pari, so Pari um, tells her, Hey I say, yeah, go take this child. Go take this child. Again, she prophesies without knowing exactly what she's prophesizing about. Go take him. So the word can be broken down. This one is yours. And I will give you wages. Right? So, right? Sorry. Right? This bring him can be broken down as this baby is really yours, right? Um, so then she says, right, Basia tells her, that Basia tells her she will give wages to Miriam for providing a nursemaid for the child. It's not only that the righteous have their lost objects returned to them. But moreover, they actually get rewarded <laughs> on top of having their last objects returned. We see here that not only did Yocheved get back her lost child, but moreover, she was paid for it. She was paid for taking care of her own child. Like what an amazing uh, reversal of, I know, what Yocheved uh, feared would be. So we'll pause here. We'll pick up tomorrow with more about Miriam. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.